What do you guys think of uh, Mike Rabel walking the Chargers sidelines next year? They just announced that they had an interview with him today. Wow. I like it. I'd yeah. like it. You like him, that? Or Harbaugh? Yeah, which one do you prefer? I would love Harbaugh with Justin Herbert, but, I mean, they really need some help on the defensive they side do. of the ball. That's what Brandon Staley was supposed to do, and uh, the defense actually regressed every year. So, uh, Rabel make that team Rabel. mentally tough. Rabel's going to want more team. control. Actually, mm-hmm. Harbaugh's probably going to want some control, too. Yeah, I, I don't think they could lose either with, with either guy. Bill Belichick's apparently going to have another interview with the Falcons. That That's going to be the weirdest thing. If Bill Belichick's coaching the Falcons next year. That'd be year, so nuts. I mean, no matter where he's coaching, it's going to be weird. But just thinking it's not of, in, Yeah, because it's not in New England. And it's all, But it would also be like such an opposite of what they had in New England, too. Like, think of that offense and the weapons they have, and you don't have a quarterback right now, but you look at that and just go, how... How's Bill Belichick going to get... He's a defensive guy. If I'm the Falcons, I want somebody that's offensive-minded. Yeah. I mean, they spent a bunch of money on the defense last year. The defense was a little bit better this season. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. They, they, I mean, they really need a quarterback. I would love to see Jaden Daniels, or if Justin Fields is going to be out, I would like to see him in Atlanta. Oh, it's the coaching carousel weapons. that just keeps on turning. Ben Standig jumps on with us. Senior writer for The Athletic, covers the Commanders, covers the NFL. And uh, you're about as plugged in as it gets when it comes to this coaching search here. Commanders are one thing, but let's just look big picture. Where do you think some of these coaching uh, candidates, names that we just talked about and some of the others are going to end up landing? Because it's starting to feel like there's just more and more names out there, Ben, and they're all interviewing for all the same jobs. And it's getting harder and harder to predict where everybody's going to go. Yeah, um, the market, and thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, the market's flooded. I mean, like for months we were talking about, okay, Ben Johnson is like the top guy, and then we'll see what happens. And then suddenly Belichick, Rabel, Harbaugh, like you said, even Pete Carroll, depending on how people want to view him, are all available. Uh, you mentioned Belichick. I mean, it, I mean, you know, just reading the tea leaves, it does kind of feel like Atlanta. By the way, the talk about you guys talk about how it would be weird. Let's not forget the Super Bowl, the twenty-eight to three joke. Oh yes. I mean, but, you know, I mean, that's going to be super weird. You, you, they, I'm sure that people loathe that guy uh, for his role in that comeback, and uh, now he was pretend to be their coach. Um, so that's a pretty interesting one for sure. The Chargers one, boy, I mean, I you know, Harbaugh, I, I would have said between, like, the Chargers and Raiders, he's going to be that the coach for one of those teams. But, you know, he's interviewed for jobs the last couple of years and didn't get hired despite his – you know, despite his success in the NFL before he went back to college. And I don't know, you got to have to wonder a little bit, like, what's going on there? He seems like a bit of a acquired taste, I guess you could say, as a personality. Um, and because there are so many other options, you know, if the Raiders stay with Antonio Pierce, if the Chargers do say go with a Mike Vrabel, which would be a reasonable call, then what happens? Uh, so, I, I, you know, I guess I'd say Harbaugh to the Chargers right now, but uh, we'll see about that. And, uh, you, you know, I mean, it, I think to me, Carolina is sort of the biggest wild card because obviously, you know, they've they've inherited, you know, the, the Washington's long stand long, long held position of being the most seemingly dysfunctional team in the league <laughs> with with what with what their owner has done the last couple of years. But just like Dan Snyder did, he's probably going to pay a lot of money to get people. You know, Dan Snyder was able to get Mike Shanahan, Steve Spurrier, Joe Gibbs out of retirement, et cetera. So who knows what what uh, what, what Tepper, David Tepper can pull off? Can he just throw a ton of money at one of these people that we've said, and that be enough, or does he end up having to go, you know, sort of dip deeper into the into the uh, you know other other options 
um, to, to figure it out. So I think the Carolina one to me is probably the most interesting. Ben, I think the best jobs would be, I mean, I mean Atlanta, because I'd want to go to the NFC. Like coaching Justin Herbert sounds awesome, but then you remember it's the Chargers and it could be Drew Brees, Phillip Rivers. Like they always have the talent. But And now you're in the same division as Patrick Mahomes for if you're going to be coaching there the next 10 years plus. So I think the commander's job is actually probably the best job. You have the number two overall pick. Caleb Williams most likely goes number one, so you get Drake May. Who would you rather see, Bobby Slowick, Ben Johnson, or would you want one of those established guys like a Mike Vrabel? You know, or do you want you know the young offensive mind with your new quarterback, with your rookie quarterback? Yeah, I got the sense kind of throughout that um, the new uh, commander's ownership led by Josh Harris that I, I'm probably expecting to see more of a younger person that, that can grow and now grow with Adam Peters, their new GM. So the two offensive coordinators that you named would both fit that bill. Uh, Bobby Slowick was with the 49ers for a few years, along with Peters before he went to Houston. He only has the one year as a coordinator, and he's 36, so that would make me a little worried. But, of course, yes, I'm aware Sean McVay was like, you know, 12 years old when he got the Rams job. I think it was 30, but you know. Um, but it's not like Ben Johnson's like some, you know, old fogey. He's, I think, 37, has been a coordinator for two years. He's just done, you know, he's just been very impressive with what he has pulled off. I, I think the conventional thinking is that Ben Johnson slash an offensive player or offensive mind is where to go. But, you know, there's just not a lot of offensive uh, coordinator types this year of the seven candidates Washington has on their list five are on the defensive side uh, including Raheem Morris Dan Quinn Mike McDonald with the Ravens so I think I would put the offensive guys first but I don't think it's necessarily a, a, a lock I mean you know obviously uh, Peters had uh, Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco if you could get Kyle Shanahan that'd be one thing but not every offensive coordinator is you know is what he is so you know I I I'm kind of buying into they're going to go for the best leader and then figure out the rest. But, you know, if I had to put money down, the, the Ben Johnson seems like the way to go. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan, Ben, and I know oh. you cover the commander, so <laughs> that might be difficult for you to hear. But it's honestly difficult for me to hear coming from myself. What a terrible, <laughs> terrible loss that was to Green Bay. The one shining feeling that I had after that was it will at least – this team can finally rip the Band-Aid off and move on from Mike McCarthy. Jerry Jones says he stands by him. And even though that was the worst loss in his 80 years, what are you hearing about why this team continues to stay committed to a guy who you know, makes Zeke Elliott an offensive lineman in a playoff game? Yeah, I mean, you know, Jerry Jones has historically uh, been a fairly – uh, loyal, if that's the right word, uh, owner. You know, Jason Garrett stayed around for way longer than I think a lot of people would have thought. Um, you know, look, it, it's such a tricky balance. You know, they've won obviously 12 games in the regular season three years in a row. Everybody would, you know, almost every team would would, would kill for such a, a resume, but then to fall flat in the playoffs. So the question is, okay, what's you know what's the missing ingredient? Is the coach somehow coming up short with his game planning or motivation tactics? Is the quarterback the one who seems to be off. I mean, I kind of thought that Dak Prescott looked, you know, uh, I don't know, underwhelming or just like he crap. didn't look. Well, yes, that's a, that's a, that's a more efficient way to go. Um, but you know, he just he just didn't look like he had a lot of pizzazz or a lot of pop, a lot of energy going out there early, and the team kind of played that way. They're obviously stuck with him at least for another year because of the 
the salary cap charges and there's not much they can do. So, you know, I, I part of me is kind of wondered, do they think that the real issue is that Dak has not stepped up his game, but there's not much they can do about it. So, you know, bring back McCarthy, who, you know, overall has done a fine job in the regular season. But, you know, considering the Belichicks and the Harbaugh's and all that that are out there, I, I guess I did wonder, would Jerry decide, hey, there's a potential upgrade up, up, up here regardless of what we think of Mike, so we got to look into it. But, you know, I guess they've decided to uh, to not do that. Speaking of Harbaugh, there's another Harbaugh, John Harbaugh, that is already coaching in the NFL. And the Ravens, nine-and-a-half-point favorites this weekend against the Texans. That's the first game, the 4.30 Eastern kick that we're going to have to kick off divisional weekend, Ben. And, you know, the Ravens haven't played their starters in two weeks. They didn't even play a game last week having the bye. Obviously, the smart thing to do was to rest really valuable the names, right? Like Lamar Jackson and everybody else. But, you know, there's always the concern of like maybe a slow start or, you know, rest versus rust. And we kind of talked about that earlier in the show. I'm, I'm, I'm curious where you fall in that category with rest versus rust and maybe specifically with the Ravens, given that, I mean, Lamar looks locked in, looks ready to go, but this Texans team's playing loose and they just don't seem to be phased by anybody that's in front of them. Yeah, you know, I remember when Peyton Manning with the Colts and they constantly had some of these underwhelming playoff performances after a dominant regular season. And sometimes it was very, I thought, very direct, directly tied to the fact that they were, had rested, kind of like what you're saying. I think some, I think one year they maybe even sat the last couple of weeks, or at least, you know, their main, their main players. It is tricky, um, for sure. And I, look, I, uh, (laughs) it would be hard for me to say that the Ravens, are going to lose this game but because of what you just said because of their past history with some struggles uh, in recent years in the postseason with Lamar Jackson at quarterback uh, you know and, and I will also note that it feels like half the organization is currently interviewing for mm-hmm. jobs elsewhere <laughs> whether it's GM head coach you know people on both sides of the ball like there's a lot of people in that organization who are currently I don't know if distracted a bit strong but you know they at least part part of their mind is somewhere else, so I, I'd be a little concerned. But you know, they've been great all year. Houston, as good as CJ Stratt is, you know, you wonder at some point that does a rookie start looking more like one, even though he hasn't really all year. So I'll pick Houston, but I definitely have this one on sort of upset. I'm sorry, I'll take uh, Baltimore, but I definitely have this one on sort of like upset alert. Ooh, upset alert. That would be a doozy, especially Ooh, yeah, since they look so dominant down the stretch of the season. The game that I'm going to and the game that I'm fascinated by is the Chiefs and the Bills. Uh, Bills two-and-a-half-point favorites at the crib. Chiefs starting to figure some things out in terms of what buttons they want to push offensively. Middle of the field, Kelsey, Rasheed Rice run the ball with Pacheco. Tons of defensive injuries, not just last week, but in week 18 for the, for the Bills. Uh, what do you think? the game script is going to be here for the Chiefs to try to get an upset in Patrick Mahomes' first road playoff game. Yeah, I mean, I think the weirdest part about this, beyond the fact that the Chiefs are actually playing on the road, is I think it's going to be up to their defense Mm -hmm. to kind of uh, win this thing. You know, Josh Allen has been, you know, an MVP candidate this year, and, you know, they they definitely have, uh, you know, I feel like they've had it more going offensively this year than Kansas City has. But Buffalo's got a bunch of injuries on defense, and the Chiefs, you know, their their defense has been pretty good all year. I'm not counting what happened last week against Miami because the weather, I'm sure, uh, impacted the, the Dolphins. But their defense has been pretty good all year. So, you know, weirdly enough, I think the Chiefs need to keep this, you know, kind of a more low-scoring game. They've struggled in the red zone, as we saw last week. 
And, you know, their receivers have been very hit or miss th- this year. So, you know, they got as weird as it sounds, they need to be the team that, you know, is effective, limits turnovers, and then defensively gets after uh, Josh Allen, uh, you know, as best they can. I, Boy, I'll tell you what, if Buffalo doesn't win this game, we just talked about coaching changes. Yeah. I think you really have to wonder about uh, Sean McDermott, mm-hmm. not, not because he's not a good coach, but from the same point of getting over the hump, right? I mean, it's one thing to keep losing to Kansas City in Kansas City, but you've got home field advantage. The Chiefs are not exactly, you know, on fire right now. You've got to win this game somehow. I mean, it's easier said than done, but Buffalo's got to figure out how to get this one done. Ben, we got about two minutes left here. Uh, what road dog in the NFC would surprise you more if they actually won this game outright? Green Bay as nine-and-a-half-point dogs or Tampa Bay and Baker Mayfield and Todd Bowles as six-and-a-half-point underdogs in Detroit? Well, I mean, Detroit, I guess on the one hand it would be Green Bay because San Francisco looks like, you know, the uh, the top team in the conference. But, I, boy, I don't know. Is Tampa Bay really going to get this done? I, I You know, beating Philly, who is just completely nose-diving, didn't seem that crazy from the Philly perspective, but I don't know how good Tampa Bay really is. Uh, you know, they barely, you know, they, they barely eked out that uh, bad NFC South because basically everybody else was was not good either. So I think Tampa Bay would surprise me more, even though because I mean I, I'm impressed with what Green Bay's been doing. I think Matt Lafleur is a a very good coach. You know, Jordan Love maybe again maybe he turns into a pumpkin this week, but he's been looking strong for several weeks now, and I think Green Bay's got some. Got some momentum, so I, I guess I would say Tampa beating Detroit would be a little more surprising for me. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, I think you bring up a good point, Ben. Is like you look at the way Philadelphia's been just nose diving week after week after week. It might have almost been, I don't know, I don't want to call Tampa like a, a paper tiger, but like maybe it just kind of inflated what they look like as a team just a little bit. But you know, I mean, the Lions at home, dude, they're one of the best in the NFL. There, I mean, th- that that team, I think. I'm- if Tampa was to able go to go into Detroit and pull off an upset there, because it's just it almost feels like hey, they're that team that won the division, shouldn't really be in the playoffs, but you know here we are. So uh, Ben Standig, senior writer for the Athletic, great to talk to you, my friend. Good stuff. Hey everyone, thanks for having me on. Yeah, I mean if Tampa, you know if Tampa at least hangs tough in that game, it's just it's right that's the team that shouldn't make the playoffs wins the division, right? They go in they're loose right. and they play a really bad suddenly falling apart team in Philadelphia. It just felt like a perfect storm for a win there. It's tough. Detroit is like, dude, this team is riding high. It's a team of destiny. As they should be. You know, yeah, there's just and they're at home again. I want them to win. Yeah. I want them going down, baby. Bucks plus six and a half. Big Wouldn't big. you love to see Lions and Bills? for the Super Bowl? That'd no, be so I'm a, fun. I'm a Packer fan. No, I want to see San Francisco Buffalo because then I'm rich. All right. 49ers Ravens. Nope. That oh, yes. Not rich. Then. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm not worried about you. I'm worried about me, damn it. It's all about me. Exactly. <laughs> Rob Brown's going to jump on with us. It's Downtown. Good I'm tonight. Rob Brown. Woo! Let the conversation continue with Ryan, Trista, and Nick and BetMGM Tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Ho, 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 wait a second. Why are the Wizards not wizarding right now, guys? Tied to 31 with the Knicks, 631 to go in the first half. I don't like it. I don't like it either. I don't like it at all. Not a fan. We're both uh, Knicks backers tonight. It's a big number, but they usually cover against bad teams. So far, Tom Thibodeau's got to lay down that iron fist at halftime, damn it. Yeah. Our man Isaiah Hardenstein, five rebounds already, which is great. He, he only just has... checked back in, thank Nice, because he only has two points, and if I would add the PNR, it's quite a bit higher than just the R portion. So I'm, I'm glad I made a mistake. 
you know what? Sometimes mistakes turn out to be the right things, exactly. like betting Stetson Bennett to have the first touchdown of the national championship that game was by incredible. mistake. That was incredible. <laughs> Might be one of the greatest mistakes ever. Or it's like when I bet Puka Nakua over receiving yards twice accidentally this past week. You're like, oh no. But two different books. Oh yes. But it worked out, and he the hit. So I didn't feel bad about you know not taking an alternate number. You know how that it happens? Even better. Is you yeah. like you see the book, BetMGM of course your primary book, and you're like, where is it? I don't see it. Okay, let me go into there and bet MGM. Mm-hmm. Puka Nakua over yards. And you're like, oh, uh, you're in the other book. Oh, I didn't realize that. Or maybe you're in another state. Maybe you're in Virginia and then maybe you're in Maryland. That's what gets you is that sometimes it flips and you can't. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, we've all had it. You can keep track of your bets, but every once in a while, every once in a while, there's the oopsie. I forgot I had that. The oopsie. Oopsie. You know who Corey Kispert looks like or reminds me of? You Who's know that? the guy in every sports movie? You know, like you cheer for the team that's obviously like the focal point of the movie, right? Mm-hmm. And then, but there's the villain, yeah. and he's usually like a white guy with a headband, and you hate him and you yeah. hate his face. That's Corey Kispert. That's a guy that's going to be getting buckets at LA Fitness in Bethesda, Maryland for for years. But uh, he'll be 55 years old. I don't just like getting him. Buckets. I don't know what it is, but I don't like him. I think it's I think it's just because I'm betting against the Wizards. And yeah, usually I'm, I bet on the Wizards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's your that's your thing, and you're not supposed to do it. And now tonight would have been the night, I guess, to do it. It's the first half, though, so we'll give it time. You know, we're gonna we're gonna make sure that halftime kind of switches things up. He's you balling know. too, Corey Kispert. Yeah, I mean, I hate him. He can shoot. Great head of hair too. Great hair. Does have good hair. I think he has ten in the first half. Yeah, I mean he's. He, <laughs> He's one of those guys where, like, you know, there's cer- certain role players out there where occasionally they can have just those big outbursts. Great shooters would do that. I mean, he's a good shooter. So that he, every once in a while, especially for a really bad Wizards team, and they're probably going to get worse because get ready. The trade deadline's in exactly three weeks, guys, less than three weeks in. There's going to be quite a bit of movement, it's sounding like, with a lot of teams realizing that uh, there's a lot of parity in the NBA right now, and a lot of teams have a lot of opportunities to make that happen. So, all right, we bring on Rob Brown. Rob's ready to go. Rob's good. Rob's good. Rob. Hey. Rob. Uh, so let's start with the NFL. How are you, sir? You got the white glasses on. I love it. Hair looks good. All right. You made it in just in time. Uh, NFL di- divisional round this weekend. What game intrigues you the most, whether it's because of any sort of bet or it's just the matchup in general? Uh, first off, two things. I'm really glad I took my headband off before I came on because evil <laughs> white guy with a headband. Uh, also, yeah. I'm happy to answer all the questions you have. But before I do, Trista, Mike McCarthy, we're doing it again. Are we? Really? 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 I, I, if it was up to me, the answer would be no. I saw your segment with PJ when this got announced and three minutes of Trista Crick going into an open microphone. Yeah, that, it was just favorite part hey, of the Rob. week. Hey, Rob, when that was announced, I was on the show. It wasn't PJ, just so you know. Oh, sorry. Who? Okay. Listen, <laughs> if you think I wasn't focused on the tangible disappointment yes. on the face of Trista for that 60 oh, seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Hey, you weren't this far. Yeah, hey, you weren't Rob, this the one thing we moment. know about this. Well, one thing we know about this network is they love to feature us suffering when our teams do something bad. They do. They really love that on social media here. It's a it's a good thing they pay us the medium bucks, ladies and gentlemen. It really is. Uh, so, division around. Uh, listen, I got to tell you, the Lions are fun. They're an emotional ride. Like, it's always it always feels good to pull for the lovable losers when they can finally shed that title. Is it anybody else that thinks that Tampa Bay bringing pressure on 85% of their snaps is yes. going to make life hell for Jared Goff, right? Like, yes. I like Jared Goff mm-hmm. a lot. But Jared Goff is not 24 anymore. He is getting on up there. 
if Jalen Hurts couldn't get away from Tampa doing what Tampa did under Todd Bowles over and over and over, it's going to be tough. And yes, they do have a couple of very good receivers in St. Rob Brown and assuming, hopefully, fingers crossed, that Sam Laporte is closer to 100%. I like this offense. And I know the Eagles just had what might have been the greatest single-season meltdown in NFL history, but it feels to me like the Bucks bringing as much pressure as they do could be a nightmare for Detroit. I'm also going to tell you, that game has the second-highest over-under total of the four this weekend. Like, I smashed the under today. Like, I'm grabbing it now before it moves down because I think it's going to move down the closer we get to the weekend. I really feel like Tampa Bay, as much as they are the weakest team remaining in terms of regular season performance, like I feel like Tampa is the team that could go in and break Detroit's heart this weekend. Yeah, I agree with that, unfortunately, and I love the Lions. The one player who the Eagles did have go absolutely bonkers was Devontae Smith. Even with Jalen Hurts looking pedestrian, even with all that pressure, so does that mean you'd still back Amonra St. Brown? Or is there another receiver that you think has a better matchup against the Bucs? No, I actually, I will bounce him. I, I will back him, pardon me. I will back him because he had a comment that, I don't know if it flew under the radar or people just didn't care, but when the Pro Bowl vote came out, like, it felt like he kind of built a grudge. Like, he had a chip on his shoulder. Part of the reason I, I bet hard on the Detroit money line last weekend was because of the emotion and because Jared Goff was going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder because he wanted to flip the middle finger to the Rams after all this time, and justifiably so, and because you knew Ford Field was going to be electric for their first home playoff game in 31 years. Well, this is now their second home playoff game, and I'm not saying the Lions fans aren't going to be full throat, but like the emotion and the energy in that building, it's very hard to replicate what it felt like last week and Jared Goff doesn't have the chip on his shoulder. I mean, maybe he does. Like, maybe he's still playing to prove that, yeah, I'm still a Super Bowl-caliber quarterback. But when you're dialed in like he was dialed in last week to specifically take down a team, you're going to get the best out of him, and I think we did. Uh, Brown is still a guy that I think can come up with a big game because I think Tampa Bay's secondary is suspect. That's part of the reason that they're going to bring so many guys so many times. But you got to equal that out with, Jared Goff is not able to move around like Jalen Hurts is, and Jalen Hurts could not move around. So I think you're probably going to see the overhit because there's going to be that one or two, you know, 35, 40, 45, 50-yard big plays to Sam Rob Brown. But I don't think that is going to be something consistent out of Detroit. This is one of those games, y'all, that I, I hate cliches in sports. They drive me crazy. But offense sells tickets, defense sells championships it feels like Tampa Bay has a little bit of an edge. And if you can get them, I think that what was that line at like eight and a half points. If you can get them there, take them there, kids. What do you think about Kansas City Buffalo? This is the reason why we have the uh, new overtime rule in the National Football League. <laughs> and we got the uh, Chiefs two and a half point dogs. It was three, but it was weird where you had to pay minus 120. So it was always really two and a half. Total is 45 and a half. What do you like? Mahomes is a dog or the Bills to finally get it done at home? Uh, I got I got to go with Josh Allen, man. Like, has he the last three weeks not looked like the Josh Allen we expected him to see? Right? Like, he looks like he's clicked. And I think that if you're in the headset, Josh, uh, the 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 mind space that Josh Allen's in right now, 
you got to know this is a legacy game for you, right? Because right now, Mahomes owns your ass in the playoffs, and everybody knows it right now. He's got you two in a row. This is a legacy game for Josh Allen. If he wants to continue to be not labeled Dak Prescott in the playoffs, he's got to beat Mahomes. And to do it at home, to have all the advantages he has not had the two times he's gone to Kansas City, he's got to take advantage of that. And I think you saw the last two weeks of the playoffs, I think you saw Buffalo kind of hit their stride. Like, I, I feel like they kind of clicked. So I'm riding hard with Buffalo. Look, Kansas City looked good last week against Miami, but we also saw Miami the last few weeks of the season. As much fun as I had watching Mike McDaniel be an absolute dork all year, and I say that as a total compliment because I'm also a raging dork who admits it, they were fun. They were electric, but they weren't good. And, and, and we can blame that on injuries for Miami. We can blame it on playing in negative 2,000 degrees, which is BS, dumb the stadiums. I'm tired of snow games. We'll put that aside for a minute. But they weren't good, and they played poorly. And Kansas City took advantage of that. Miami is not Buffalo. That's why Buffalo won the division. That's why Buffalo's hosting this game. I like the Bills at the house, and I like the cover. Well, well, I was going to ask you something totally different, Rob, but now you're talking about snow games and slandering snow games, one of the great traditions this time of year in the NFL. You're out, out on snow games. Listen, I don't want to know what team is better at staying warm. I don't want to know what team is better at hanging on to a slippery football. I don't know want to know what team is better at making sure their trainers get those big goofy-ass jackets on the players as quickly as they can when they come off the field. I want to know who the better football team is. Football games should be won by the better football team, and in snow games, they're not. They're won by the team that is better at handling the weather. Well, if that's what we want to do, then let's ship these guys down to Antarctica and let's see who can survive in a, in, a, in a game of Survivor. No, I hate snow games. I despise cold weather games. Every By decree, every NFL stadium that is constructed from this point until America Falls should have a freaking dome over it. It's easy. They do it all the time. Put a dome on them, damn it. Well, apparently they've uh, they've polled all of the Buffalo Bills fans and and also uh, the season ticket holders, and they prefer not to have a dome because they're tough as nails. So they're getting, I think, like um, <laughs> some sort of canopy, and then things are going to be open. I don't know. All I know is one of the coldest games I've ever been to in my life was the Bills Cincinnati Bengals game in the playoffs last year in Buffalo. I'm going this weekend. Hopefully, there's going to be no condensation because it's really. That, that gets you very cold. I don't think we've touched on the Texans-Ravens matchup a ton. Just wanted to get your thoughts on whether C.J. Stroud is going to be able to pick apart one of the best defenses in the league because he wasn't able to week one, but a lot's changed since then. Let's start with this. As far as the Bills Mafia goes, I love them. They're a blast. But maybe, maybe, let's not take life advice from people who jump off of conversion fans through tables in parking lots. Like, that's, that's their fun thing. Maybe let's not take advice from people who WWE table ladders and chairs themselves for entertainment. All right? I'll leave that there. Uh, I like C.J. Stroud a lot. I really do. Kid can play. Do I think he's going to have success against Baltimore? Yeah. I think he, for a lot of the reasons that Lamar is going to have success, it is because of the athletic ability and the ability to expend plays. And, oh, by the way, 
Nico Collins is a gangster, y'all. I love this dude. I love what he did last weekend. But the Ravens are too good. I went chalk coming into this. I grabbed Ravens 49ers in week 17 as my Super Bowl matchup. I got them at 12 to 1. That number is now down to like 475 or something like that. 5 to 1 at some books. The Ravens are too good and they hit their stride at the right time. I love the Texans, but the Texans are a year, maybe two ahead of schedule. I love D'Amico Ryans. They're a year or two ahead of schedule. They are playing with house money. Hey, maybe they make it weird. They break out the gadgets. They break out the stuff we haven't seen yet. But there, there comes a point deep in the playoffs, guys, where sometimes you just got to ride with the better football team. And Baltimore's just a better overall football team right now. So I'm on Baltimore, and I know we haven't gotten to San Francisco Green Bay yet either, but I'm taking San Francisco in the cover for the same reason. I love Jordan Love. He deserves a ton of respect for everything that he fought through, all the criticism he's taken for the past two years to get this team into the playoffs, to win a playoff game on the road at the one stadium that was supposed to be a fortress. All the credit, but sometimes better football teams just win. That's San Francisco, and that's Baltimore this weekend. Sorry, Rob, I was allergic to that BS take. Packers by 30. No, I'm kidding. I'm with you, too. San Francisco, alt lines. I, since I've been born, they have not beat them. Sorry, Tristan. Really quick follow-up. I just got this sent to me. Chiefs possibly bracing for a legendary head coach Andy Reid retirement. Uh, what would that Whoa. change for you in this handicap? He's retiring before the for the game? After the game, <laughs> Oh, That's... After the loss. He's saying that the Bills are going to win. Maybe that changes things. It's, it's interesting because you get the whole the boys are playing for the guy kind of thing, right? But emotion at the level of the NFL carries you ever so far, right? Like emotion can get you through a first quarter. Maybe it can get you through a half. But at some point, even when you're out there trying to win one for the Gipper, eventually you still got to play football. Eventually you got to X's and O's. Eventually you got to execute. And I, I at home in the cold, playing in front of Bill's Mafia, and with Josh Allen having hit his stride. I mean, what Josh Allen did to the Dolphins that last week of the season, that's when I was like, all right, that's the dude. Like, that's the guy we want. And again, yes, maybe the Chiefs are playing for Andy Reid. Maybe he's went to the team in top super secret fashion and said, boys, I'm out, win or lose, I'm done, and they're emotional, whatever. But you don't think that the guys in Buffalo feel that way about their quarterback against Patrick Mahomes, right? It's a legacy game for him. They're going to be up for Josh Allen, too. I'm taking the Bills to cover. If we have Andy Reid retire after all of the other coaching shockers this offseason, I mean, it just at this point, anything's possible. Rob Brown, always good to talk to you, buddy. You guys are the best. Thanks. My hair does look good. At the Rob Brown Show on Twitter. See you next it Thursday. <laughs> Proper flop coming up. Bet MGM tonight. You know, it's just the excitement of being in the playoffs. I mean, you understand it's it's a it's a it's true. We talk about being one and zero, and it comes into sharp focus in the playoffs. But our guys understand that's not something we need to talk about. We just understand that the teams you know that are playing right now, there's eight teams left, and it's the best eight teams. And so you're playing high level. We've been playing those kind of games pretty much for the last number of weeks. Our preparation remains the same. It's time for more Bet MGM Tonight with Ryan, Trista, and Nick on the BetQL Network, presented by Bet MGM. John Harbaugh and the Ravens had a couple of weeks off. Week 18, didn't play many starters. Had the 
Bye. And now here they are. They got the Texans nine and a half point favorites in that. Everybody loves CJ Stroud, right, guys? Well, guess what the most bet prop is in that game over at BetMGM? I bet it'll surprise nobody. CJ Stroud over 240 and a half passing yards. Oh, wow. Then over one and a half touchdowns, which is interesting. That's plus money. That's all the way up to plus 155. Yeah. And then you also have Nico Collins over 77 and a half receiving yards. But I got to say, for value's sake, I know you're going up against a tough defense, but we've watched. Again, I, I know the splits with the Cleveland road, home, a definitely a different defense. Still a good defense in general. C.J. Stroud played well against them. I like the over one and a half passing touchdowns for C.J. Stroud just because, yes, that's some great value at plus 155. I don't know if I could do it. Can't, can't, not even a little sprinkle just in case? You Only two look, touchdown passes? You look at what he's done on the uh, at home versus on the road, yeah. and things change significantly. Mm-hmm. Carries, rushing yards, interception ratio, completion percentage. It's all kind of right there in front of you if you're looking at it. So against this Ravens defense that held a lot of good quarterbacks to very little passing yards, really shut their offense down. We talk about the Lions were shut down. The Niners were shut down. Two very potent offenses. I love C.J. Stroud. I love what the Texans can do, but... I think that what he was able to do against the Browns is more indicative of the Browns' defense not traveling than C.J. Stroud being able to cook in Baltimore. Yeah, my w- <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. My wife heard that I'm not taking like C.J. Stroud unders, but Neither she heard I. that I was going to yeah. go under on the team total. Uh, Amanda was listening to the show and yesterday, and she said, "Thank God." And I was like, "What are you talking about?" I annoyed the hell out of her all weekend. All weekend, as the vice president of the Stroud Boys, all all she heard was, I'm a Stroud boy. I'm a, I'm a Stroud boy. And that game was over in the first half, and that's all she heard. I just hate this matchup. But also, mm-hmm. I kind of hated the matchup against Cleveland. I wish I would have bet Texan, Texans, Houston a little bit more in that game, but yeah. I didn't like that they played the highest rate of man coverage because that's where C.J. Stroud struggles. He's awesome against cover three and zone coverage, struggles against man, but it didn't matter. And I know that like Cleveland gives up a bunch of explosives, the home road splits, but yeah, I don't know like, that I want to fade him because he's Certainly awesome. Certainly don't want to fade him. We haven't seen a rookie quarterback like C.J. Stroud in a long, long time. It's kind of crazy to see him to throw an interception in this game. Is minus 175 because yeah. he's got, what, six, seven all season long? But, uh, yeah, man, I think this is just a bad matchup. Unless the weather holds off and we don't have the winds. I don't really care about – it's not going to snow. I don't care about, like, rain. Um, it's always wind for me, though. And this is his first road start in the playoffs against that defense, which we talk about, like, Lamar because he's going to be the MVP. But the Ravens' defense was historically good this year. So – We'll see. Not having Humphrey hurts him a little bit, but I just yeah. think with Mike McDan- with Mike McDonald having uh, extra time to prepare with him knowing C.J. Stroud so well, saw him in college too, they're going to throw some different stuff at him. But I would go touchdown passes, like you yes. said, over the yards. Although, man, maybe even the yards aren't a bad look. we got to remember they're nine-and-a-half-point dogs, so if they go down two mm-hmm. scores, which that's what Baltimore does, you know, point differential first three quarters, they get up on teams. He's probably going to have to drop back and throw the ball 40-plus times in this attempts, game. Attempts they might be the, the way ball. to go then yeah. with him, too. Yeah. Well, yeah, and in, and to that to that point, Jared Goff in that game where there was only six points scored, uh, and I know he's probably not the best guy on the road either, so that's kind of, I guess, a good thing for Stroud. 284 yards passing one interception. He threw the ball 53 times. So maybe that's what you expect from C.J. Stroud. I'm just on the fence, guys. I want to back him, mm-hmm. but I know what the Ravens' defense can do, and I know how C.J. Stroud is 
in in bad weather, similar to Jared Goff, I, I guess the answer is I'm on the fence. I got to be honest. Like, if I'm back in the dog, I would rather have on Saturday. I love the Packers. I hate this matchup. Prove me wrong. I mean, for the last 30 years, it's, it's the same story. I mean, Favre couldn't beat the Cowboys. Aaron Rodgers couldn't beat San Francisco. Yes. And, uh, yeah. I mean, like, last time they saw him in the playoffs, they, the Niners didn't even score an offensive touchdown in one. But So if I had to back a dog, I would go with the Texans just because this is a completely different team. I mean, you, th- you talked about it. They kept that game close in the first half. They only scored nine points, but this is a different team. That was C.J. Stroud's first start ever in the league. Um, so if I had to, like, go with the dog, I'd probably go Houston over Green Bay. I love Nico Collins, though. I think it's very strange that it was at 80-something, 80-and-a-half a a few days ago. Now Nico Collins' receiving yards is 77-and-a-half. But Nico Collins had 80 yards in week one when they only scored nine points. I think it's weather. It must be a weather-related bake-in. And I think I still like 17-mile-an-hour win's going to be a lot. Yeah. That's a lot to deal with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and if anything, though, maybe that goes back up. Like, if you like it, grab it now without Marlon Humphrey. Yep. Especially if you think he's going to be passing all game and you like the over 240, who's he going to be passing to? I think mostly Nico Collins. Yeah, I I do like that. Speaking of receivers, you mentioned the Packers game. Romeo Dobbs, we saw what he did last week, 151 Sheesh. yards receiving. The receptions are the most bet prop in that game. Over 3.5 at plus 130. Then it's Brock Purdy under 30.5 passing attempts at minus yeah. 120. Aaron Jones over 91.5 rushing and receiving yards. This game, I'm so excited for it. Um, if anybody wants to come by, we're going to do some ribs. No, you're not going to make anybody anything, okay? No, I'm really you're... doing ribs. I mean, there's going to be some weather, but if you guys want to come over for the game, <laughs> it's going to be like my heart is going to be cheering for the Packers to win the Super Bowl, of course. Best quarterback in the league, right? My money, dude, he really might be, though. I mean, he's awesome. All Jordan right, Love right. is awesome, awesome. Right. Uh, I can't believe you're I saying mean, this. Isn't just amazing how the season is going I mean, how do him? I say anything different? He's thrown one interception the last three months of the season. But uh, I hate this matchup. And uh, so my heart, Green Bay, my money, my wallet, San Francisco, over 14 and a half team total in the first half. And this is the most money I bet this four different places that I've ever had on a player prop ever in my life. George Kittle, over 52 and a half receiving yards, also played it at 51 and a half. Green Bay, as we know, Jake Ferguson, I think he just scored again. He had three touchdowns, but they're bottom five in yards per coverage. Uh, missed tackle rate. That's the big thing is I like the yards over the receptions because the receptions right now at BetMGM, 3.5 is minus 165. You could go 4.5 plus money plus 120. Um, But I like the receiving yards because of the missed tackles with Darnell Savage out there. I mean, even Jair is dinged up right now. Even if he goes, he kind of shies away from contact. Jake Ferguson went crazy. Yeah, so I I like the yards more, though, because I could see two receptions going for 50-plus in this game. So George Kittle, Debo Samuel props. And um, when, that's that's about it, actually, because Christian McCaffrey's numbers are getting outrageous. When you say it's the most you've ever bet on a prop, how many units are we talking Well, because about? there's, like, limits on props, yeah. you know? So you got to um, shop around. Uh, no, I mean, like, at MGM, I yeah, think I bet, it, different books. bet MGM, I bet it five times. I bet it here in D.C. I bet it in Maryland um, at National Harbor, actually. And then I, um, yeah, bet it a couple different spots as well and found some really good numbers, too. So always shop around. And I like alternate numbers, too. For you George like overs? Kittle. I played over seven receptions early on in the week for like plus 550. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think that number's gone. What but. did Jake Ferguson have? Nine? I think yeah. he had nine. And, mm. and three touchdowns. Yeah. I mean, a lot of that was in garbage time. Right. But, I mean, Green Bay just can't defend the middle of the field. And I know they've played better defensively the last couple weeks. 
still let the Cowboys score a bunch of points, but a lot of that was in garbage time. But I just don't know that they're going to be able to do what they've been able to do. Like against Minnesota and against Chicago on third downs, you could play man coverage with Jair. How are you going to play man coverage against San Francisco? Then it's going to be, I mean, we talked about this with James, then Brandon Ayuk's going to kill you. If you play zone, Debo's going to kill you. I actually would probably just play a bunch of man. I would rather just, like, get gutted right away than, like, death by a thousand paper cuts or whatever the saying is. You know what I mean? Yes. Because, like, if it's Brock Purdy just getting rid of the ball in 2.5 seconds, mm-hmm. Debo for 10, He's just gonna dink George and dunk. Kittle across the mm-hmm. middle. I would rather just play man and say, hey, beat us like this. Because they're probably going to beat you either way. You're really playing with house money anyway. Green Bay's not supposed to be here right now. It's just what makes the 49ers offense so difficult to deal with because exactly what you said. They've thought about everything. It's not just that they have versatile weapons there offensively. They can be lined up in a million different ways. But they've also then got guys that some are zone beaters. Some are better against man. Like, they've thought of everything with it. It's what makes Kyle Shanahan such a brilliant offensive mind is that this roster's been constructed as well with John Lynch, obviously, with everything in mind. Every every counter that you could have where one day, you know, one game it is going to be a Debo. One day it is going to be, well, it's usually Christian McCaffrey. And by the way, you're right about that. His numbers are out of control at this point now. Yeah, and I mean, it makes sense because Green Bay also can't stop the run. I mean, that's why I love the matchup against Dallas because Dallas was 30th in rushing efficiency, so they're actually decent against the pass. Um, you know, if, if if that's all that they have to defend. My favorite prop, it's finally up, actually. Uh, Christian Watson, over 28.5 receiving yards. So Dobbs, I know he's the most bet prop, over 3.5 receptions because he just went off in that last game. But the one area you could attack San Francisco secondary is deep down the field. Christian Watson, that was his first game back. He was probably like 60 70%. Uh, I mean, there's a reason why Luke Musgrave was so wide open on that touchdown. It's because even if Watson's not getting the targets, you have to game plan around him because he's the one burner that they have that could take the top off the defense. 28 and a half, you said? Yeah, that could be one reception. Should be one reception. He's the deep guy. He's, one in, he's running one route out there. Uh, that wasn't up yesterday, so I'm going to actually bet that live here uh, on the air. Christian Watson, over 28 and a half receiving yards. Big, big. Oh, by the way, we got to... $500. I, I have to... Uh... I don't know if eviscerate is the right word, but I have to go after Uh-oh. Sparky. Oh, that's Uh-oh. fine. Remember, I thought you were going to say me. I was like, no, I, didn't, I didn't do you any wrong. No, no, <laughs> you didn't do me any wrong. Remember I asked Sparky about the tight end situation? And then he talked about long-term future. And I was like, Sparky, I actually don't care about the long-term future. Yeah, like we're just trying to make ends. money, guys. I'm just trying to, uh, yeah, I'm just trying <laughs> to make some money. And he was like, oh, yeah, I like I like Kraft much more than I like Musgrave. And and guess what? Musgrave went crazy and Kraft did not. And so maybe I should have listened to his initial long-term proposition. Tucker Kraft should have went over those receptions. He should have. What, so what do you, who do you like in this matchup for Green Bay outside of Christian Watson? Do you like any Nobody. tight end reception? Nobody. No. Not, not Aaron Jones. Only no. Christian. Not Romeo Dobbs. No one. No. Christian Watson over 28 and a half That's it. receiving yards. That's it from Green Bay for me. Maybe Jordan Love perhaps. Oh, Jordan Love rushing yards. All right. Yeah. Most bet prop overall. Overall, Patrick Mahomes over four and a half rushing attempts. Damn it. I got his rushing yards. Yeah. I'm screwed. Well, if they win, we might get the kneel down. That's true. The nail down. Sometimes, nail that, down. sometimes that's why oh, the attempts are better. I nail downs. <laughs> Although then he would lose the yards, probably. Yeah. It did. It did go from twenty-four and a half to twenty-nine and a half. So if he wants to rush for twenty-seven, that's cool with me. Maybe, uh, maybe the attempts are the way to go. You know, sometimes the public's right. Can't I can't always, believe public doesn't always lose. God, we're so close, guys. Divisional weekend. Uh, Best my, weekend in sports. My absolute favorite weekend in sports comes up this weekend. I cannot wait and we're going to have nasty weather so that means you're not going to feel guilty sitting inside just watching football and having ribs, right? And watching Christian Watson yeah. catch one pass for 30 yards. It's Bet FGM tonight. Woo.